0: Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod. I to start another pod today. We're at the elementary level over at Hillside here in the Westside District, and I'm uh, going to visit today uh, with Sarah Mosel a little bit, just to, about maps and... Uh, math and a lot of just awesome stuff so if you want to give kind of a brief backstory about who you are and sure. your time in our district and education in general it would be great
1: Sure. Uh, Well, as you said, I'm Sarah Mosel, and I teach third grade at Hillside. I've taught in third grade for my sixth year. I just recently took over a math chair for the district and have been kind of transitioning into that this year. Love my position. Love that I get to work with kids every day.
0: I know we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, maps and kind of personalized learning and those things, but uh, yeah, how are you enjoying your new position as a district-wide math person, right? Like, what has that kind of been like?
1: It was a little overwhelming at first. I didn't realize, you know, how much work is done kind of behind the scenes that you don't realize when you're a classroom teacher, but I've really enjoyed it. I've gotten a chance to work with uh, an MTSS team this year, Um, you know, four of us in the district that have done some professional development with grades two and three, and the teachers have been just super flexible and amazing for the hope that they have for kids, for their futures, and their willingness and motivation to learn themselves new things because things are always changing in education, you know. So um, that's been super cool, and I also have really enjoyed working with that core MTSS team for professional development.
0: What does that so. team look like, too, then, I guess, for those that maybe don't understand MTSS? and Sure. Yeah.
1: The team is Karen Mousman. Uh, Michelle Patterson, Diana Williams, and myself, and we last so administrators year, and teachers. Yeah, and,
0: okay.
1: Uh, we had the opportunity, the four of us, last summer to go to North Carolina and do a training in math for about a week, and we learned a lot about what kids need for math because the the United States uh, is so much almost behind. I hate to say that, but a little bit behind the rest of the world right now. Um, a lot of people are teaching math conceptually and then focusing on the procedure part, and um, in the United States, we we tend to teach for kids to memorize, and we know that that doesn't help kids be successful later on. We get together, we plan things that basically we learned from North Carolina, and we plan on how we can you know, relay that information to teachers. I and mean, What we've actually found that's been super interesting is that what kids need is also what teachers need, because teachers, and, and me being one myself, uh, we learned a certain way that helped us to do the jobs that we're doing now, but the jobs in the future um, are going to look very different, and so kids have to be super flexible flexible. flexible with their thinking and they have to be able to have conversations and so those are some of the things that we're talking with teachers about this year. We've been talking about, you know, how do you guide conversations? And it's kind of hard to guide conversations when you don't have that same background knowledge that maybe the kids are starting to grow up with. So you know, when they're thinking about doing subtraction in eight to ten different ways it's really interesting because as a teacher I I learned maybe one or two ways when I was younger Um, so I'm almost having to relearn more information on top Mm -hmm. of what I already knew from when I was younger.
0: That's something that we talk about with personalized learning a lot is just this idea of agency Uh, And that's got to be at the forefront. Um, That it's about process sometimes over product, or at least focusing as much on the process (laughs) as the product. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of hear that, I think, in what you're saying here uh, a little bit. And so... Um, so that's, so what would you say like students need, I guess? I, you know, I'm i sort of saying agency here, but when, you, you use that word about two or three times there actually. Yeah, so, what they like, need. Yeah, because you're like, well, yeah. students need this yeah. and teachers need it too. Like yeah, what is that this, yeah. I guess, at the core of where you're coming from?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I can start with a specific example that we, you know, have really focused on this year with grades two and three. And that is we tend to start teaching kids numbers saying that this is the ones place, this is the tens place, this is the hundreds. And it's almost like that memorization piece but instead if we approach kids and say hey we have a base 10 number system and that means that our number system works in powers of 10. so if i have 10 ones, I'm going to the next place value up. And that means that I have one 10. And so they start to understand those relationships between numbers. And once they get that, the things like, you know, we don't borrow when we subtract because we actually don't ever give it back, right? And you, you just don't think of that stuff. We call it trading in or exchanging. Really what we're doing is we're trading in a 10 for 10 ones, or maybe we're exchanging 10 ones for a higher value unit of one ten. And so just kind of looking at things differently. Um, I think think that kids really need to understand how math works, why it works, and then it's not just this magical thing. I think sometimes people look at math and they say, no, I'm not good at math or I'm good at math. What we have learned is that math is actually very similar to reading. I mean, that there's some core things that kids need right away, like that base 10 number system, understanding. They need the fluency piece, of course. Once they have those things, then it really is about guiding conversations, having kids talk to each other about what they're learning, how they're learning, how are they getting to an answer. And it's really interesting because one of the things we learned in North Carolina was when you give students a problem, Sometimes it's really frustrating, especially for those high achievers, if you just give them an answer. And You're like, tell me all the ways that you can get this answer. Um, and that's, that's really hard for some of the high achievers because they are so used to, here's an answer, let's move on and let's keep going really quick. And so it's been kind of a learning curve for teachers, for myself, for our team of like this kind of what you said, like the slow down process. Let's slow it down, really think about our thinking, that metacognition piece.
0: Because to provide those additional options, you have to then provide a breadth of ways in which to do any one thing, which ultimately, yeah, does lead to, you have to have more time. Like there's just not really an opportunity to go, hey, you can do it, one of ten ways, go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Without really, like, scaffolding or or supporting students in that. Where do you feel like that meets the personalized learning piece then, uh, a little bit, as you started to kind of, like, see, I don't know, we can talk about the MAPS piece, too, right now, Mm -hmm. if you want, I guess, but I know that's kind of been... You're in the implementation phase right now and experimenting with some new things. And so yes. yeah, what does that look like uh, as you yeah. try to meet these needs through some of those personalized practices?
1: So like you said, I'm definitely experimenting right now. Um, this is kind of me just stepping my, my foot in the water. I, in in math, feel comfortable enough that I'm able to... Reach those higher learners while still supporting the the students who are not yet proficient and then still um giving that uh core instruction to to everyone. what it kind of looks like in my classroom is we we basically start together we start with our fact fluency piece, so we practice it at Title one buildings we have rocket math, and so basically they try and do forty problems within a minute. so we start with a whole group practice of that, and there, when I say whole group practice, it really is each kid kind of. Uh, doing their own level of wherever they're at, we do you know probably about five minutes to the top half of your sheet, and then they test on the bottom half once we get through fact fluency we we do what's called kind of a math talk um, and and the kids have really come a long way this year. They uh, started out with math talks where it was like they again like just want to get to that answer piece, right? So it's like here's the answer. Oh, I got the same answer. I got the same answer. And so for a while it was kind of frustrating for him because I'm like, nope, we're gonna go back. We're gonna talk about this. Like, how did you get your answer? I've used some things from like math. Uh, I think it's called MashupMath.com. Uh, they have some things. I don't know if you've ever seen it where it's like a skeleton plus a scarecrow equals five, and then they have to figure out, you know, with all these like. A list of all of these things that really have no numbers. It's equations with pictures. Uh, they have to kind of figure those out and talk through. Like, how are you figuring out how much that final equation is equal to? We then do whole group instruction, and that is my you know lesson for. I want everyone exposed, and I even have high achievers. I, I do want them exposed to my lessons because I know that naturally, just like I did before I learned, teachers tend to teach the way they were taught, and so I want them to be exposed to the the bigger picture thinking. So they they help me through that, and that's kind of just guided release, you know, where it's me modeling, we're doing it together, then they're doing it in partners, and they're do, they're doing it on their own when they're ready. And then once we get through that, and they're maybe even about halfway, if I see a couple of kids who are like, okay, you. You know, it's like, I get this. You know, yeah. you can kind of tell when kids are like, come on, let's yeah. go. I will release them and they work on an app uh, called Khan Academy. Um, In Khan Academy, it's kind of like a flipped classroom where they can go on and watch videos about how to do certain math concepts or learn about the math concepts. And then they have to display their understanding and knowledge of it through a series of questions. I just require that they get 85% or above. So they work through that. And then the other kids might still be working with me in whole group. And then a couple of them... It gives you an
0: opportunity then to sort of um, create a smaller group to focus on Absolutely. with those that need a little bit more time. So I guess yes. no controlled pace, but then you also uh, can support them with where they're at yes. while the other students are able to extend what they're doing uh, at the very same time.
1: Absolutely, and I think too, it it's nice. You know, off of what you said, it it's kind of nice because those kids that are working on con. The other kids almost look like uh, relieved a little bit, where it's like, okay, we don't have to Keep go pace out of yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so and
0: that's what we talk about in our training also is that, you know, when when we talk about technology as being one of the five elements of personalized learning, uh, it's not, hey, tech's cool, do more tech. It's, yeah, it's understanding the value of tech and the pr- potential that providing those resources for students is really to uh, to shrink the class size, mm-hmm. uh, allow to allow you to be in more places or Khan or Academy to be in places yes. um, that you don't necessarily have to be for students to still be learning mm-hmm. uh, so that you can then have more of that yeah one-on-one small group opportunity uh, and yeah. everybody can get get what they need. I guess. Sure. So that's great that you got that going on. Yeah. So then from there
1: so from there um we you know like i said so we have that small usually a pretty small core group of kids that will still be with me um and then i might see that a few more people get and i might get down to a group of like five or six maybe three two whatever but when it gets small enough that i can have them in a in a flex group Uh, What I usually do is I have those other kids go work on Math Menu, and so they're doing things that are district required, like the DSR, um, Rocket Math Practice on their own. They're doing maybe a couple of practice problems. I'm not having them go through, you know, 20 problems like we used to do when we were kids. They are going and doing Math Menu, and then I start doing Flex Grouping, which is a little bit different than Guided Math. Instead of like having stations where kids go through, they're in the same groups every day, it more is, okay, Andrew, I see that you're, you know, still with me on the floor, and. don't get it today, we're going to work on it. It's going to be okay. It takes me a while to learn things. Sometimes we're going to move on to something else because both of us are probably exhausted with this right now. So then he might come back and we play some kind of game that um, really works on his foundational pieces. I might have them doing, depending on the level of the kid, uh, like one-to-one counting. We might be counting by tens. We might be looking at here's 10 and here's four. 10 and four is 14. You know, looking at that um, again, going back to the base 10 number system. How do all these things relate back to the base 10 number system? Mm-hmm. And so that's been really nice. And and when I first had kids working on Khan Academy, it was it was kind of like, here, I'm going to assign you a third, fourth, fifth grade math, and you can kind of go where you want to go with that. Um, but what I noticed was that kids tend to do what they already know because they want the stars. I had an opportunity to work with Dr. Sinclair. She has been going to state meetings and representing the district and working through how do we use MAP effectively to help kids grow and to personalize learning. And so she came back, was super excited, and I had a chance to to meet with her and talk with her. And she kind of went through, if you go on to MAP, the, the teacher page, it has like student profile. And so her and I kind of looked at student profile and for a few of my kids who were, I started with my higher learners just because they're usually more independent. We went through student profile and made goals for each kid. So, you know, what's awesome about MAP is that it, it not only gives the kids an overall score for what they scored this time of year, but it also breaks it down into categories. So there's categories like algebra, geometry, numeration, but they go into their profile with me. We look at how their score is broken down. And then there's a suggestion on MAP that says, hey, this is your lowest category you could pick here. and." continue to grow your RIT score. Um, I love the wording of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you to exactly. Grow your score. Yeah. That's great. Let's grow your score. So um, we, you know, log on to there and, and sometimes kids will pick that one that's suggested, but a lot of times they pick, well, I want to learn about geometry. Like I see that my score is really high. I want to keep going with that. I'm like, cool, let's do it. So yeah. we go into geometry and then it has like, it's amazing because it has a list of here is what, you know, Andrew is ready to learn right now. Mm -hmm. He's ready to learn this concept, and then it breaks it down even into smaller strands. And so I can say, okay, you want to work on this strand? We can log on to Khan Academy. I can assign that to them, and then they can work through that and even beyond it if they choose. MAP and Khan have been working together, actually, and so they have also come up with you can go into Khan Academy and put in scores, um, like how their scores are broken down for, in math, for instance, and it will say, Okay, Andrew. You're based on your scores. You can do any of these, you know, four things, and so it was kind of cool. Kind of like customizes it, yeah. Like builds
0: uh, lesson, yeah.
1: It really is awesome. That's neat. it. It really does. And what I love about Khan that that procedure, and then you do the procedure, and then you're good to go. It more is like here's five ways to learn it. I want you to show me all five ways. I uh, you know display your knowledge and then once you have that now we can move on to like some other things that are beyond the basics kind of a thing. So they can they can go in and like it was kind of cool because the other day I had a kid come up to me and he's like Ms. Mosel did you know that you have me assigned on fifth grade math and he was worried and I'm like oh that's because your RIT score says that that's what you're ready for so you know we're yeah you're gonna be exposed to some third grade stuff but then we're gonna keep going like from where you're at that's awesome that and it was just like this beam of excitement like off of his face that he's like i can't believe that i'm you know that i'm here and what what else i i love about map is that it's about growth and so for um any level you can always go back to we're looking at growth we're not looking at proficiency and it's it's almost like a weight off their shoulders you know where it's like you know all i all i want to do is i want to continue to grow and it's really nice too for my high achievers because i can say here's where you're at yeah you're at a fifth grade level however we better see some growth in December because that's what that's how we know that we're doing things that are successful yeah that's
0: something that yeah and again I I always get back to agency because we talk about that in our training just over and over and over again uh, as being at the core of things and that sense of efficacy is a portion of that and it's kind of tough Mm -hmm. because efficacy and agency are kind of the same thing efficacy being give me a single task Yes. And I can go and take care of that and knock it out and be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's this agency is just the idea that regardless of what comes my way, I just have this general confidence yes. that I can do whatever. Um, yeah. And so you have to kind of build that in through efficacy. Like, hey, try this. Oh, yeah, you are amazing. Man, you're fifth grade in math. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, we're moving to English next. Let's try yeah. to you know, Clearly, yeah. let's see if we can grow that skill. It sounds like the there's a lot of, it's changed the, reflective conversations maybe absolutely. that you're having about nope you got it wrong yeah <laughs> right uh, yeah. which can happen sometimes yeah. I think with math where it's like absolutely uh so what do you what have you seen in that regard I guess how has that shifted your interactions and support of mm-hmm. students mm-hmm. uh in facilitating conversations after a missed problem or when they get frustrated
1: I would say that it's created or built excitement around math yeah and another thing that they um that's been nice to see is like i have a bulletin board that has the four quadrants of what their their risk scores broken down into in math and then say i i have you as a student and you say i want to work in algebra and i have pictures of each of the kids and so i'll print out their picture and they know that they're working in algebra, and they might have three other friends working in algebra, and it just creates that excitement and that that kind of almost group or collaborative learning. It's creating conversations between students, so right. it's been really nice um, and almost like it's kind of a weird word, but like relaxing. It's been relaxing mm-hmm. in a way um, that I can guide conversations, but I don't have to be the only one in the room that knows the answer.
0: Right. You know, and what an awesome, awesome benefit for the student who is forced then to explain their process to somebody else. So that's really. That's really exciting also. And in that, I, I'm hearing, I guess, so I, I during our training, get, speak specifically about flexible space and flexible grouping, and sometimes mm. I feel like the grouping portion gets left out somewhat of the thought process. We, we really talk space, and uh, yeah. yes, first of all, space has got to be a lot more than beanbag chairs, high tops, low tops. Like yep. There's to kind of an intentionality Absolutely. to it. Yeah. And then from there, as part of our process of, well, what, how could you be intentional, we say... Okay, well think about the groups that are within your space. Mm-hmm. How do you make areas for those groups to exist for the learning that's taking place at that particular spot? Mm-hmm. Happens sometimes? Mm-hmm. Always think, and I like this this concept that you're you are saying, okay, here is your region and here's the people that are there and yeah. So know that these folks, yeah, are are on algebra versus geometry versus whatever. Yeah. And so so collaborate with those individuals, and it gives them, like you said, a resource, like through the visual, you know, the way you've got that Mm -hmm. kind of set up on your board is really neat.
1: It also creates, um, you know, excitement around, like if a student meets their goal, so they basically have like a goal sheet with me, and so how are you going to achieve your goal? i how many days, and there's like 10 boxes, a chance for two weeks, how many days do you think it's going to take you to complete that. And so when they're doing that time thing too, it really motivates them. And then when they meet that goal, they get like a gold star that is by their picture. And so it's not just them. It's like the whole class gets to celebrate and be like, hey, Andrew met his goal. This is so awesome. And it kind of, again, like creates that motivation among kids. And, And what has been so interesting is when I started, I thought, I don't want it to become like this competition. I have not seen any of that. I've been really surprised.
0: The more that I talk with folks, teachers sometimes are so hesitant to to do exactly what you're talking about, to have like some sort of piece that that shows where everyone is at. But I think so long as it's not a a negative to in any certain place... And as long as the students recognize, they are very aware of their strengths and, and where they need to yes.
1: grow. It kind of goes back to uh, at the beginning of the year, we, we do a lot of lessons on like our brains. Some people might be really strong in math right now. Doesn't mean, you know, that they're not strong. They might be strong in several areas. And there might be people who you see among you that aren't aren't learning as quickly as you, but they're still learning.
0: And I think this shift, at least now, because some people will listen to us have this conversation and say, well, duh. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think that teachers have always known this. Yeah. I don't know. And I heard you say it. I don't know how often that has been the case then where they've had that conversation collectively with their students. Mm-hmm. Maybe individually they pull somebody aside and say, like, mm-hmm. this isn't your strength. You know, maybe yeah. they had those, those conversations years ago or, mm-hmm. or previously. But with that intentionality to, to create a class climate. That under that acknowledges that that has that out there, um, that doesn't attach a negative, you know, social stigma to the yeah. fact that you, uh, you know, this is math this is just something you have to work a little bit harder yeah. at, or that, that you need to, to develop, um, maybe a little more over the course this year, and we can celebrate when you get there. And then once you've had that conversation, then I'm also not sure to what degree it's all it's been driving the practices, right, that mm-hmm. we're talking about when you got back to needs that different students mm-hmm. need different approaches to solving the same equation uh, to meet who they are and the way in which they can best like continue to, to develop. I love that. And so for the person that's like, well, duh, yeah, but the students are the ones now that, that are hearing that. It's part of the culture. It's part of what we're doing. And they are then like living it out in a way that, that is beneficial to everybody. And, and yeah. like you said, it makes it a lot more fun. It makes oh so much yeah. More fun. yeah so more fun. closing uh, thoughts, I guess then just a reflection, something you might share for somebody getting started that is a little apprehensive. How how do you get started along this path, I guess? Yeah,
1: I, I would say that hesitation or not, that student profile on MAP is so incredibly useful and helpful for personalized learning. And I think the first step is sharing RIT scores with kids because I think a lot of times what we do is we say okay here's this child's summary of how they did on the test we're going to send it off to parents and then the person who needs to see it never sees it. My first step was just sitting down with the whole group and saying what's a risk score? We looked at that. We talked a lot about growth mindset. We read this book called The Bubblegum Brain. That's super awesome. and just talks about the brain, you know, continuing to grow all the time. So doing that and then sitting down with individuals and, and really I had to tell the class, just like you're growing all the time, I'm growing. And so what I like to do is have the whole class do it all at once. But I know that I can't truly be successful If i don't try it out with a few students and see what works and so i sat down with them and just said for me my growth mindset right now i am setting a goal for myself that i'm only going to work with five students at the most so i'm going to pull those students back that does not mean that i'm not going to pull the rest of you back eventually and then i pulled those students back We look at their student profile they set a specific goal for themselves and it's just really been it's been them ever since. Uh,
0: when you turn over the information to the student and it's very like it allows for them to have purpose Yeah. Um, and I love that you're talking growth mindset I'm gonna have to go check out that book here pretty soon right. about the bubble gum brain yeah, but thank stuff. you so much for your time yeah. today I've had a really good uh, I don't know it's been a great experience getting a chance to chat with you and learned a mm-hmm. lot and so I hope everybody listening in gets a chance to as well and uh, we're gonna have to follow up as you you know get a chance to implement this a little bit more and Perfect. extend your practices I'd love to hear about where it goes
1: all right well thanks for having me
0: well that's a wrap on another great episode for more information or to contact us directly you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net as always thanks for tuning in and learning from the westside personalized podcast